Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of What the Dev. I'm Jacob Lukwitz, online editor at SD Times, and today we're going to be talking about the top six cyber considerations for 2020 put out by KPMG. Here at SD Times, security coverage has been a huge focus, as last year saw the second, third, and seventh biggest data breaches of all time, based on the number of people that were affected. Some governments have responded with regulations such as GDPR and the new CCPA, but as technology grows more complex, companies now need to more than ever ramp up their security practices. Joining me today to discuss the key considerations for a better cyber environment is Caleb Quern, the director of KPMG Cybersecurity Services. Hi, Caleb. Thank you for coming on the show. How are you? I'm great, Jacob. Very nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you as well. So, Caleb, can you tell me a little bit about KPMG and how it's helping clients navigate the biggest challenges when it comes to cybersecurity? Absolutely. So at KPMG, we are recognized for the most part by taking a business-first approach to how we lead large organizations tackle this challenge, uh, which usually means how do we minimize the most risk sustainably uh, at the lowest cost uh, soonest, right? Because that's really what leadership expects, uh, because that's what their stakeholders expect. Maybe that's their shareholders or their customers, but they need as much risk to go down now uh, because that means they save resources that they can invest in growing the business or uh, delivering more stability and economic prosperity for everybody. So that's really the way we think about helping our clients. And so what went into compiling a list of the top cybersecurity issues to look out for? And can you go over the list and what you found are some of the most important cyber considerations for today? Sure. Yep. So there's a, a list of six in our most recent report. Uh, starting at the top, we call out aligning business goals with security needs, which is um, really about how leadership understands and prioritizes this risk reduction that we talked about in the cyber landscape. Um, we talk about the second on the list being digital trust and consumer authentication, how we know that the people interacting with our services are the people that they claim to be. Um, the evolving security team, which is a hint and a hat tip to talent. Uh, and we, we can talk about that for a long time. It's a big topic. Um, fourth on the list would be the next wave of regulation. I think you called out a couple of great examples at the beginning. Fifth of the six is cloud transformation and resilience. And the final um, item that we call out in a report is automating the security function. And can you go into some, uh, you know, what what are the the most important ones to look out for that you're seeing are uh, the biggest challenges? Well, I think I'm I'm a bit biased. Um, my focus is on secure DevOps and application security. I think most organizations today have an evolving um, skill set and evolving muscle built around delivering software. The market is asking that they build software more often, quickly, and securely. And a lot of large organizations are not really great at delivering software quickly nor securely. So, um, you know, that's what a lot of the research supports as well is that application security is one of the biggest ways that breaches start. Um, you know, mistakes, vulns, or misconfigurations in those systems allow attackers and bad guys in the door. Um, there's competing research and equally valid probably that suggests that the human factor is the biggest challenge for most organizations where people click on links that they shouldn't, uh, and that also enables attackers to compromise their systems. Hmm. So you mentioned that uh, a lot of companies now aren't, uh, can't put out the software as securely, but are many cybersecurity teams adequately planning to tackle this challenge? 
Well, it's a, it's a learning curve, right? I think across the spectrum of industries that we deal with, there's different um, capabilities, right? A lot of our technology companies um, are known for delivering great consumer experiences, uh, high-quality software often and securely. Um, that's how they <laughs> that's how mm-hmm. they do their jobs as tech companies. Um, but then there's a the gamut of industries, right? We have hospitality, we have um, financial services, um, you know, manufacturing. There's hospitality. It goes on, and in each of those groups, there may not be as good as the others in some of these capabilities. So even in the tech companies, though, I mean, let's keep in mind that they may be recent newcomers to. Um, the business landscape, but at the same time, they still have, you know, places that they have to prioritize. And even some of their back of the house, some of the legacy functions, or maybe even their internal IT may not move as fast as some of those uh, software experiences that we're, we know and love and are, you know, use on our mobile phones all the time. So everybody has opportunity to improve in this and it's, whether it's in their entire application portfolio or just um, the ones that we might not see front and center all the time. But it's, it's a challenge, right? Because for a very long time, for the majority of uh, information technology existence, most people aren't used to delivering software on a, a weekly basis or a daily basis or even hourly, depending on the industry you're in. Um, those release cycles may be every six months, every three months, or even less frequently, um, if we're talking about maybe the federal government space, although that's changing as well. So that, that capability of moving fast and delivering code quickly and securely um, is, is, is not something to underestimate, right? Because there's cultural considerations, there's technological um, debt, right? What we call tech debt that makes it hard to move quick and kind of um, adapt to the new way of delivering software. Mm-hmm. Is that, does that help? Yeah, definitely. And is, you know, the pace is constantly going faster and faster. Will we ever be able to keep up with it? Or is it? Is it still going to, you know, require having even, you know, faster security practices? Yeah, great question. I mean, um, <laughs> I think everybody seems, seems, everybody seems to point to the cloud as the answer for this. I think the cloud is a, a massive enabler for the type of patterns and behaviors we're talking about um, because you can spin up infrastructure so fast and with so little um, coordination across teams. That's one of the um, main messages of DevOps is that, you know, people who build things shouldn't necessarily have to reach across too many silos to get something stood up. Um, so, and then when we talk about security being part of that mix, um, from development to operations and security, that's another dependency on getting things out the door and, and users touching your software. So to your comment a moment ago about the security input, you know, again, security teams have massive challenges in moving as fast as the business needs sometimes. We have legacy behaviors of what it means to secure applications. They may be manual reviews that, you know, may take days or weeks. And then getting that's, – that's just the execution of this the scrutiny uh, that maybe a security architecture review or maybe if you need a threat modeling exercise against your software um, platform – you have to get in line uh, because the security team has such a backlog and it takes so long to execute these things that, you know, business is being held up while you're waiting for security. So that's some of the things that we're trying to get better at and help our clients get better at uh, so they can really deliver the value to their customers. So is a lack of security skills for some of these new methods um, for keeping security in the market a major issue that you're seeing? And what can the security professionals be doing better? There is... No doubt there is a huge skill gap 
in cybersecurity today, and I'm at the highest level, right? just just broad word cybersecurity, um, we know <laughs> that there's not enough job, uh, there's not enough talent out there to fill these jobs. That's a very commonly held belief. There's new data from ISC Squared and other organizations that talk about how many millions of job openings there are for these um, positions. The challenge is now let's talk about not just cybersecurity, but what about application security? That's a much narrower pool of people. And then if you zoom even tighter and say, I need people who are familiar with the most modern ways of delivering software quickly. Uh, we're talking about like secure DevOps. And that's an even smaller subset of the job, the talent pool out there. So what that means for all of us as consumers, what it means for hiring um, organizations is there's a lot of demand and very little supply. So, you know, that means projects get done at a slower rate sometimes. Maybe they don't have the quality that we would like because the talent's just not present. Or we do have the resources to invest in that talent, but it's very expensive, right? Again, going back to supply and demand, these talent, these um, skills command a high rate in the market. And it also means that if we're an employer, that we should expect that somebody else is hunting for the same talent we may have in-house. And so to keep that talent, I need to maybe reward them higher, or I should expect that they will be tempted to go somewhere else soon. So mm -hmm. it's a pretty tough challenge these days for organizations. Right. And are you seeing that um, perhaps automation is going to be taking over some of these processes in the near future? It has to, and that's, that's underway. I mean, to give, give everybody credit, um, we're doing our best as an industry, I think, um, to automate everywhere we can. I think if you look across the software development lifecycle, there's some natural places that lend themselves to automation. Um, you know, in, in application security, for example, classic legacy application security, um, static application security testing or dynamic application security testing. Most modern organizations are doing their best to automate both of those functions. Um, and there's others like software composition analysis that too you can put into a CI/CD pipeline and have called by API so that there's no need for a person uh, to, to schedule any time to uh, perform that scrutiny against an application, and nor would it be feasible, right? Because, you know, as we talked about earlier, if we're pushing code out in some of these really high-performing environments um, daily or more frequently, I mean, security, nobody could keep up, right? So it must be automated. So that's underway, and the people are, um, you know, wrapping their heads around that. It, it's, it's not ubiquitous, um, but that's probably step one for a lot of people is that pre-development I'm sorry, pre-deployment uh, testing of code before it goes to prod. So there's automation there. We have automation in terms of vulnerability scanning for the environment once it's already in production and the right logging and monitoring and bells that go off when something seems amiss. That's already well underway, but those also are skill sets that a lot of organizations are only now wrapping their head around. It doesn't feel like it's new, but coming online as an organization, doing that right across the whole portfolio and balancing your efforts against the real risk that's out there, it's a huge challenge. Right, and going back to the list, um, can you tell me a little bit about the importance of the building trust into consumer authentication? Sure. Uh, I think the consumer experience today is such that, you know, we have a lot of choice, right? All of us have a lot of choice in the places where we spend our time and, and money. So without trust, um, organizations that are offering services to the market uh, are going to have a very hard time. Uh, so being able to 
deliver an experience that you know I don't need to think if my data is going to be secure, if my personally identifiable information will walk out the back door of this company that I'm doing business with. Um, that commands um, a higher loyalty in the marketplace, which ultimately means revenue, right? And the type of things that fuel growth, which is what the business is asking for. So, uh, you know, it would be a mistake for organizations, and I don't think anybody takes this lightly, but to deprioritize um, trust and being known as a place that's a good steward of our consumers' data, um, that's a, a an asset. Mm-hmm. And are you seeing that consumers are kind of having a, a more skeptical view of, of how their data is handled? And, I mean, how are these companies, you know, bracing for, for all these regulations that are coming in? Well, um, unfortunately, it has become just, <laughs> I hate to say it, the cost of doing business as a consumer these days, right? Because so many um, platforms and, and companies that have, we've, we've provided our data sooner or later seem to become compromised, and maybe some of our data is involved in that breach. Now, whether that has a big impact on our lives or maybe not so much sometimes, either way, it's just a, a part of the normal consumer experience, but at the same time, it doesn't forgive uh, for organizations um, who are the custodians of this data. And nor do regulators forgive, I I might add. (laughs) They Mm, take a very dim view of these types of events, um, which may be very expensive, and nobody wants that. Yeah. So, yeah, um, can you tell me a little bit more about what what other things security teams can do to really keep up with the pace? I think um, it's not a surprise that I will mention training. we know that a lot of the talent that is coming out of our universities these days, they, they're great, right? Wonderful um, resources. However, I don't think that very many of, uh, you know, writ large, right, the talent pool that comes out of universities may have some wonderful experiences if you've been studying, you know, cybersecurity. Uh, but you may not have very much hands-on experience in things that are really valued and in, in huge demand by the market, which is writing code and um, cloud security, like hands-on keyboard experience in Amazon, Azure, and, and Google Cloud. Those are the things that I think really are <laughs> deeply needed um, for organizations to really accelerate and meet the goals that we've talked about on the call here today. So um, it would be my recommendation that you know, either organizations invest heavily in um, in, in acquiring talent like that or upskilling in-house. There's probably a good mix of those two approaches. Um, but, you know, I don't think business as usual, as we know it, is going to be very helpful for people. If, if they're avoiding that cloud transformation, uh, that will become more expensive in the long run every year you put it off. So I would say start small. Um, pick a few apps in your portfolio, for example, that maybe as an experiment. I definitely don't recommend um, saying, you know, this is the quarter of the cloud, and by the end of the quarter, we're going to do our best to um, (laughs) become cloud native. That's unlikely to work out very well. But if you put together a a strategic plan over which, you know, some percentage of your environment or portfolio of systems makes it into the cloud, and it doesn't need to be 100%, maybe that's not the right thing for your business, but some percentage probably is the right thing for your business. So I would start small, and um, even in using language, like I said, like these three apps, we're going to put in um, this cloud provider's environment as a experiment, right? We don't know if it's the right thing, but these are apps where it's probably safe to 
be a little bumpy along the way because the real value isn't necessarily in them being in the cloud. It's what we learn from the experience. So approaches like that are the types of things we're recommending. Right. Great. So I think we covered a lot of ground today in today's call. Is there anything else important to take away from the list or um, or from cybersecurity landscape in general? No, I, I think we've talked about some of the biggest topics out there that leaders need to know about and, and people um, – you know, aspiring leaders. And I should also mention, you don't need to be at the top of the organization to be a leader, right? People uh, downstream, some of the rank and file have some of the most important roles in this journey uh, to doing the right thing for the business, which, as I hinted at the beginning, has big impacts for all of us as consumers and um, people in the market, right? What I mean by that is when the systems we build are less risky, and they're more likely to deliver the business outcomes our organizations deliver. And that means uh, growth and prosperity for everybody, right? So that's the type of thing that I get really excited about as we do our job, because it means you know my neighbor um, here and abroad is more likely to have a, a solid, stable future in the middle class or I love, which is something to really I think find inspiring. Yeah. All right. Well, great. I believe that's all the time we have today. Thanks again, Caleb, for hopping on the show and for offering all the great insight. Thank you, Jacob. Talk to you soon. All right. And thank you to everyone who's listening. Don't forget to check out this episode and all of our other podcasts on the biggest topics in software development on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And be sure to let us know what you thought. Until next week, this has been What the Dev.